This is Bianca Marie, and you're listening to Hoobazoo.com. By the time I was 15 years old, I was considered one of the best players in the country. Oh, yeah, I mean, he was like a rock star at 13 years old. When I first saw him, it, it, it was something I'd never seen. The term man-child was devised in order to describe Shea Titus. Growing up, Shea Cotton was the ultimate ball player at our age bracket. Uh, when I first saw him, I was like, there's no way that this dude is the same age as everybody else. <laughs> we were all trying to be as big as Shea Cotton. And if you were to assemble a dream team, a dream team of the best 14 and under players in the country, perhaps at the top of the list would be a kid by the name of Shea Cotton. It was unfair. You know, I felt like, oh, that ain't fair. This ain't fair. Shea Cotton is the best high school athlete that I've ever, ever seen. Quarter's been all monarch so far. High low. Man, he was selling out gyms since sixth grade, seventh grade. Shea Cotton was like LeBron James before there ever was a LeBron James. If you don't do nothing wrong, and you don't take no money, and you don't cheat on no tests, you're at the top, and you're on your way, in one, in one day, it's taken from you. Just as much as they'll build you up, it's twice as easy for them to tear you down. It was, it was so much shit. It was like, damn, why do y'all pile all this on the kid? Like, It wasn't meant to be. He just had a talent, and he can teach kids what to do and what not to do. Shea's story is important to be told because he falls into that basketball Bible where it's not just here. To have people still calling you by your first and last name 20 years later, that means something. Google Shea Cotton, you'll see. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? This is destiny. This is madness. This is a booth. Staring down, looking at the blood-stained concrete. You're the dead MC, flying at my feet. You took a nine millimeter rhyme straight to your mind. Damn, my better split. This is my time, so I make my way up the block. Get to home base and lock that. Run. Crack the Cavassier and grab the phone. Call one of my troops up. Hope the soldier's homie says, Yo, what's up? What's going on? Make it quick, cause I'm trying to get my stellar on. Go. You girl, I'm in the. These lyrical assassins tried to pull a hit and then boom, came a noise from the other room. It was the boys in blue with the SWAT crew. They got us locked up for lyrical murder. It's one of them charges that you never heard of. It's the booth, the booth, the booth. 
the booth. Yeah, it's the booth. The booth. The booth. The booth. Yeah, we're killing all your podcasts like the HIV virus. You want to battle this kid? Huh, don't even try this. Back the uh. up. Think again. Count to ten. You want to grab that mic just to get done in? It's the booth. The booth. The booth. The booth. Yeah, it's the booth. The booth. The booth. The booth. Yeah, it's the booth. Was he African? African. African. No. He was American and he was like you. He looked just like you. He was Jewish. Just Wait, like okay. you. Okay, Jew. It's an odd crime for a Jew to yeah, kill. Yeah, pretty docile. Okay, so we have an African Jew wearing a hoodie. No, you don't. No. no, that's not what I said. Is that what you heard me say? I said he looked like you. Do you look like an African Jew? No, I look like a cop. Yeah. <sighs> he was Caucasian. All right, your boy since the one broadcasting live from the city of champions. You are listening to The Booth, March 16th, 2021. And um, we got a great show planned for everyone here tonight. Um, if you guys were watching prior to my show going live, you saw a tribute to middleweight champion, legendary, marvelous Marvin Hagler. Um, it was a 15-second tribute of silence to marvelous Marvin. As you guys know, we broadcast from the City of Champions live. And um, this past weekend... The city got the news. 66 years old, marvelous Marvin Hagler passed away. Um, there were a lot of people out there throwing out rumors and saying it was COVID related to him getting the vaccine. His family came out and gave a statement. They said it was natural causes, and you know they wanted people not to be putting rumors out there and stuff that's not true. Um, but our prayers and blessings go out to the Marvin Hagler family. Um, it's touched a lot of people here in this city. Um, and I'm going to talk on that because it's a lot of things that Hagler did for the city of Brockton. He did, the, he did the same thing for the middle class of Brockton that Rocky Marciano did for the middle class you know, people of Brockton during his time, during his era. Um, that 80s era of boxing and that middleweight class was loaded with nothing but with talent it was just talent it was like the 155 of the ufc you know what i'm saying um that middleweight division was was a hardcore tough division and um, i'm going to be talking about hagler's career and talking about you know what he meant to this city of brockton and and even i myself got to know marvin hagler you know personally you know as a young kid, because I was I was a young kid when Marvin Hagler was coming around in the eighties. You know, he when he when he beat Tommy Hearns, that was nineteen eighty five. I was just graduating high school in eighty four. Um, I remember being on um, David Letterman's show a few weeks after he had won. I, you know, it's it's just one of these things that you know. If you talk to anybody from the city of Brockton. Marvin Hagler was that guy who was down to earth. Even though he was kicking ass in the ring and held these belts, um, you could go into a tip-top cafe. You know, everybody remembers where Tip Top was down on the, on Main Street. Um, that was the, the big place before Cape Cod Cafe. But Tip, tip, tip Top Pizza um, was a place that you would frequent seeing him. 
um, Supreme House of Pizza. You know, you'd go into these places in Brockton and you'd see Marvin Hagler. And um, I worked at a 24-hour gas station called Alert Gas Station back in the day, right out of high school. You know, and and Marvin Hagler would train across the street at the Capiello Brothers Gym with Goody and all those guys over there, and he would always come in because it was one of it was one of two gas stations that was open 24 hours to get gas, and he drove this nice ass. Lincoln Town Car, I believe it was, or Crown Vic or something that he used to drive. And he used to come in, and sometimes he'd be with Goody. Sometimes he'd be with, you know, um, the Cap, Cap, Capiello brothers. He'd be with one of them. Um, he would come through, and, you know, he'd get his gas, and he'd hang out, you know, talk every now and then. And we used to have an office, and one night, I remember he came in to the office, <laughs> and um, we were sitting there, we was talking about stuff, and a mouse ran across the floor of the gas station office, and Marvin Hagler jumped up on the desk <laughs> and said, "Well, it's a mouse," and I was like, I was like completely in shock that here's this guy who's beating the crap out of people in the ring, no fear, yet this mouse comes out and this man jumped up on, and and you know what? He's like, "Don't tell nobody that," and it was it was a great funny story for us he would come in you know after that he'd be like, you didn't tell anybody about that mouse did you <laughs> you know and um he was a great guy you know he was always funny and um he you know he's missed here in Brockton he's definitely going to be missed here in Brockton definitely put Brockton back on the map in the 80s and you know he had his brother who also fought and then was able to meet his brother and hang out with his brother um, they actually, before, I forget which fight it was, he had a big fight one time, and what they did was, to send him off, up the street from my house is Massasoit State College, and what they did was, is they said, well, you know, we can't have all these people come down to the gym, um, which, you know, was right over there next to, you know, the Brockton Enterprise and WXBI, which was WBT back then, 1460 AM. If you, on the other side, was, was Marciano's gym, and, and that's where everybody was training, and, and Goody and all them. And um, one of the things is, you know, they send him off, and they have this sparring session with with him at Massasoit College. And I don't think they were even expecting the amount of people to come through there. Uh, for this event, I mean, I remember the place being packed. I remember my dad taking me and my brother there, and as I said, you know, I knew him from the gas station. So we, you know, we got in there, we sat right in the front row, and it was just kind of an expedition sparring match to just kind of send him off before he went for this this match. And um, you know, he was loved. He was he was loved, and um, he will never be forgotten. So tonight on this show, this this whole entire show tonight. Is dedicated to marvelous Marvin Hagler, 66 years old, who passed away. The city of Brockton is mourning. The city of champions is mourning. And and you know what? Let's mourn in peace. Let's let's not start all because there's a lot of people out there trying to start stuff already in regards to well, let's let's get him a, a statue now because we have a Rocky statue and and trying to throw race into it. It has nothing to do about race. The World Boxing Association, the council, is who made the Rocky Marciano, tro- you know, the statue, and brought that here. 
if they want to do one for Marvin Hagler, it's up to them. This is It has nothing to do with race. If somebody wants to step up and build a statue, go right ahead. Trust and believe me, Brockton will find an effing space to put a statue for Marvin Hagler if somebody builds it. Trust and believe me, this isn't about race. So anybody out there who's throwing around the race card and trying to say this and that about why there's no stat, stop it. Stop it. The Marciano statue was donated to this city by the World Boxing Association, the council. So stop it. Race has nothing to do with it, and we will get something here for Marvelous Marvin Hagler. Trust and believe me. They're not going to sleep on this. This is this is something that's going to come. So, uh, getting into my sponsors. Because like I said, I'm going to talk about Hagler during this show later on when we get into it. Um, last week, I got to thank my big guest that I had on. Rapper and recording artist Goonie Goo. Big ups to him. Make sure you go get that single. And um, he's got that Trap Mares mixtape that's going to be coming out. Make sure you search him up and get on it. Um, I was supposed to have recording on his uh, Ray Royale on tonight. Um, he has some last-minute changes that he had to do in regards to work. So I'm going to try to reschedule him for a later show, um, probably in the second week of April, because I'm pretty much booked. I got a lot of guests coming on this show. I got Shea Cotton on the 30th, and you guys have been seeing the promo for that. I've got another guest that I'm working on for next Tuesday night. That's going to be really good, and I can't wait. Uh, Matt Cameron. What's up, Matty? I see you in the chat. Matt Cameron, host of Matty C Sports for you and me. Um, he landed a big guest for his show. That show is going to air uh, April 6th. He has Jeff Silva from Dangerous Catch Bloodline. It, it, it's, it's that fishing show on Discovery Channel. And I was able to help him get that show produced. And I, look, I can't wait. Deadliest Catch is, is it. And I, I don't know why I keep saying Dangerous Catch. Even Anthony Arnold was like, dude, you got, and it's like, no, I know what the name of the show is. But for some reason, I never say <laughs> say it right. And it's one of these things that bug me. Um, but Matt Cameron, Matty Sees, uh, Sports for You and Me. Um, Matty. Um, Matty says he could talk Hagler as well. Um Damn, if I would have set you up, I would have brought you on here. Uh, let me see if I can work my magic to get Maddie in here. Let me see what I can do here, guys. I'm going to see what I can do here and try to bring Maddie on. Um, actually, I've already started the stream. Damn it. Or else I would have I would have brought Maddie in. Maddie, if you want, come, in, come into the chat and, and stay in the chat and talk in the chat. Whatever topics that you want to talk about when we talk Hagler. Because uh, I've already started my stream, so I can't bring that Zoom up um, in the stream. I have to have the Zoom going beforehand because it's right now it's going through one camera. So I, I'm not going to be able to do I just tried it. So, um, damn, that's that sucks because I would have actually had Maddie Cameron or Kevin Tachi or somebody to come on um, with me. But, Maddie, hang tight. Stay in the chat. Uh, Kevin Jeffries, he's a boxing fan. Kevin Jeffries, happy hour with Lido. He actually just had Burt Watson on his show. He was the manager of Smoking Joe Frazier. So he would have been able to talk about Marvelous Marvin Hagler also. So, um, yeah, Maddie, hang out, man. Hang out in this chat with me, and um, I'll be monitoring the chat. Um, let me get into my sponsors here. Michael Douglas Barreto. This is the guy who fixes my controllers. Michael Douglas Barreto Electronics. 
Here's his number right there. If you got an Xbox controller, PlayStation controller, or Elite controllers, you send them out. He repairs them, gets them back within 24 hours, and you're back to gaming. Love this guy. Love this guy. He is a gamer's godsend. Cheap money, you know, 25 bucks. If it fails and it's the same problem, he fixes it for nothing. That's a lifetime warranty. Right back to gaming. Also, Rebel Rom. Clothing.com, that's my cousin's company. You want to reach out to her, www.rebelrom.com. Check out her clothing line. And I believe she's dropping some accessories now. Um, I thought I saw like some sling bags and things like that. So check her out. Uh, she's doing good stuff over there. Uh, tactical Target Systems. Uh, as you guys know, I'm trying to, like I talked last night when I went live about the Patriots. Um, the zombie apocalypse is in my head, and <laughs> I want to be a guy that's caught when the zombie apocalypse comes, and um, <laughs> I, I want to be ready. <laughs> so check out tacticaltargetsystems.com. Ask for Don Robinson. Tell me you heard about it on the booth, and if you want, you know, because a lot of up here in Massachusetts, they're very strict when you go to the range and shoot with what you bring for targets. Like you can't have people. Like, you can't, like, at one time, people were bringing targets that looked like Osama bin Laden or, you know, all types of different terrorists from the the 12 cards. You can't have that type of stuff here. They're real strict about it in Massachusetts. Uh, Zombies um, are up to the discretion of the range itself. Luckily, my range allows me to do it since I'm a private member. So they don't mind me using uh, the zombie targets. Uh, Also, Viana Marie... Make sure you grab her music, streaming online, everywhere. She's actually performing um, unapologetically this week, free. It's Thursday night, 7 p.m., and she's going to be performing live. So the link is on her page. The link is also on my Facebook page, and I know she's watching. If she's watching, she'll probably drop the link to watch in the chat on Thursday night. And then the following weekend, she's actually performing at the VFW down in Fall River, Um, We will be sharing that information next week as we get closer to that event. But we want to make sure everybody tunes in to this event on Thursday. Um, She also has an interview coming up that she's working on, but I'm not sure if it's nailed down right yet, but it's it's supposed to be in regards to the whole Kirk Franklin incident with his son. So once we hear about that, we'll do that. Um, Apologetically Speaking podcast, uh, that just got drop today so if you want to check that out you want to check it out and hang out and see uh maddie cameron says that's okay yeah it was amazing oh tonight at nine tonight at nine so um that would be that would be her thing with uh, i always forget her name winnie her name is winnie but it's evangeline winnie and then i forget her last name she's an evangelist uh she's you know preaches the good word of god um, they're going to be on at 9 o'clock tonight. So if you want to check that out, if she can drop that link. V, if you can drop that link in the chat so people can watch. Evangelist Jillian, Jeannie Wynn. Yeah, if you can drop that in the chat, that'd be awesome. Um, so people can tune in at 9 o'clock. So moving on in the sports booth and news booth and entertainment booth and legal booth and Biden bombshells. These are the titles of our segments every week. wanted to just let people know because somebody asked me. They said, how do you do your show? Because I'm on this group, Podcast World and Podcast Nation. And they're always asking for advice. And I says, I have a template for my show. So if you guys know this, the news booth is first. Then we have the legal booth. 
entertainment booth, sports booth, then Biden's bombshells, which, you know, replace Trump troubles. Um, and then we have some other segments like Are You Serious, where I find crazy videos, or we have um, the Apology Podium, which we don't really have any Apology Podiums right now. So we'll, 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 I'll try to come up with, some, you know, the apologies only happen like if somebody does something really bad and they have to issue an apology. Um, so we haven't, I think the last one I did was Justin Timberlake. So we haven't had many since then, but it will happen eventually. Um, might have to come up with a couple of Are You Serious? Because um, those are pretty funny also. So jumping into the news booth, got to mention that the APCSM, Animal Protection Center, um, they are having their rabies microchip clinic this Sunday. And I, I know I'm mentioning this for a Sunday. I have a feeling, people, that if you go on there, I have a feeling it's going to be full. I don't think there's... You'll be lucky if there's openings. It's it's to raise money for this shelter. And it's $10. Your 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 pet goes down and gets the rabies shot for $10. And I think it's 15 to get a microchip if your pet doesn't have a microchip. They were taking dates about two weeks ago. We have a cat that's going down to get done. But if you can get on there... Click the link on the booth page. If you can get on there and get a date, damn, you're lucky. Because it's this Sunday, and and I can tell you right now, it usually fills up pretty fast. Um, so if you get in there, good luck to you. I, I hope I hope it works out for you. Um, let me see here what we got next coming up. Uh, also in the news booth, 6.7 million samples of sperm and ova are being shipped to the moon. <laughs> Why are they being shipped to the moon? Well, if you were just laughing at me talking about the so-called zombie apocalypse and saying Keith Hayes' Sinister One is crazy for worrying about the zombie apocalypse, well, scientists are worried about the total elimination of human life. So what they're doing is is they want sub-zero temperatures on the moon. They want to send 6.7 sperm and ova samples to the moon and put them kind of in cryo on the moon. So guess what? In case a civilization is annihilated, they've got sperm and ova to mate and bring back the human race. These are scientists. This is this this isn't a fake story, people. This is a true story. So anybody who is just laughing at me and the zombie apocalypse, this is a true news story. True news story. Um, and and. You got to listen to it. Matt Cameron says he's got two Hagler pitches you'll love. I actually have a couple. Uh, I have one when he got the key from the city with him and Bertha. Um, Good times there when he got the key to the city outside the city hall. And I have another one where he beat Hearns and they're carrying Hearns out of the ring. So um, I've got that. I'm going to be doing that. Uh, What's that? Yes, George Bain. What's going up, DJ George Bain? George Bain is asking, is that Brax for your background? So I got to give a big shout out to Frank, Brack and Tap and Grill, up over on the west side of Brockton. So Frank is a good friend of mine. Frank owns Frank's Brack's Tap and Grill. And what I wanted to do is, is I wanted to take the booth and have that atmosphere for the show behind me. So I asked permission if I could get, t- you know, take a picture of his place and put it behind me every week for his for the show. And Frank was like, I got no problem with that, dude. Put it up. So, yes, George Bain, good eye. That is Frank Brax's place. Um, 
Kevin Jeffries is in the chat. He says his son his son deserved that tongue lashing he got. That that's he's he's referring to this whole incident with Kirk Franklin, the religious artist. The the funny thing is is that if you're old school black folk, you ain't mad. <laughs> if you are old school black folk, you ain't mad, you don't care. Because sometimes your kids get you to that point where you can come out your... Look. <laughs> I seen it with my grandmother. I seen it with my moms. I seen it with my dad. Sometimes you take your parents to a point where you there's no return. We seen this with... um What's his name there? That, that, that played Donald Trump on SNL. You know, he was going through a nasty... Well, he wasn't. It wasn't a custody battle, but he was spend, you know, spending time with his daughter on on certain weekends, and she kept blowing him off. And it wasn't like he lived in the same state. It was it was a big issue for him to have time with his daughter because he lived in New York and she's on the West Coast. So he's setting up flights for her to fly out to New York, and she's not showing up for the flight and the and and things of that sort. And he called her up on the phone. And told her that she was disgraceful. And he told his daughter this. And his daughter leaked the whole phone call on the line. And he ended up being this bad parent and stuff. And I was like, look, I kind of feel for him. I kind of feel for him. You know? But the thing with Kirk Franklin is, is Kirk Franklin is a religious, supposed to be a religious man of God. You know? He's supposed to carry himself a certain way. But. Sometimes your kids do things. <laughs> and there's no loyalty. His son put all of it on social media. Like, damn. Like, you you hurting your father's brand. He don't care. He don't care. <laughs> Vian Marie said he's making all that money off the name of the Lord. No, sir. He gave his child a reason to disrespect him. Because his, his child probably felt he was being a hypocrite. Probably. I mean, the stuff that he was saying was crazy. <laughs> Like, he had, Kirk Franklin was pissed off. <laughs> hey, Lisa, what's going on? Lisa McPherson in the chat. How's it going? Um, But no, no. So uh, if you want, guys, Viana Marie's going to be talking about that at 9 o'clock on her her show. She, she's getting invited on. She'll, she'll put the link in there, and we'll see. She said, shaking my head, do I feel for him? No, I don't feel for him. <laughs> His kid out of them, I don't feel for him. I understand how his kid got him mad enough to where he came out of character, though. <laughs> I don't feel for him, but sometimes kids can do that to you. Luckily, luckily, not going to My kids never were pretty good, so they never got me to that point. But I've seen it. I've seen it. I'm just saying. <laughs> so moving on into the legal booth. George Floyd's family settles for $27 million. $27 million. Why is this an issue? And if I could have gotten Ken on this show tonight to discuss this. This is where I feel um, we hurt ourselves as a community. Um, when you talk about Black Lives Matter and you talk about you want, you want justice. No justice, no peace. It's hard to say no justice, no peace when as soon as they dangle a dollar amount in front of your face... You decide to take that money. And I'm not throwing shade. I'm not throwing shade. Because I, I have someone that I'm close with. Whose family. Who 
you know, they, they settled for almost close to $10 million, DJ Henry. The DJ Henry Fund. Um, they settled for $10 million. He was one of the original Black Lives Matter. Their son, Dan Roy, was killed up in New York by undercover cops who didn't, you know, say who they were and shot him in his car. Um, after years and years of battling, uh, they settled for, uh, yeah, I think it was about close to $10 million. And what they did was they put that money into the fund where they pay for kids to be involved with youth sports. And they cover those fees uh, for football, baseball, whatever sports that your child does. So they, they put it to a good use. So what's happened is is that Derek Chauvin, um, he, they were in the trial to pick the jury for his court case for murder. Um, and what has happened now, because the George Floyd family has settled for the $27 million, his lawyer is now asking to delay the trial because they've now settled. And what that does is, is that they'll still be able to do like, so they'll, they'll still be able to do like OJ, what happened with OJ. OJ was found not guilty, but the family sued him civilly. The problem is Derek Chauvin don't have OJ money. So they're not, they, when they sue him civilly, he's not, he's not going to give, be able to give them any money and you know, for that. So this is the problem. The problem here is that they settled for the $27 million. And, you know, we have to ask ourselves, is this what we want to continue to do when we have these situations? Do we want to settle for money? Or do we want to see this whole thing through and make sure this man is put in jail? I feel we need to sit back and wait and put this man in jail and say no. I feel like they do this on purpose. Um, for this reason, I feel like it's it's all something just they orchestrate, in my opinion, and um, that's how they that's 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 how it's so crazy. Uh, George Bain says they should have done the civil case after the criminal case, and you know it. You're right. You're right. It, it's 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 crazy. It is crazy, um, and the problem is is that you know you you settle. It just sets a bad precedent. It it just does. So, uh, and it's going to be debated. It's definitely going to be debated, and it's definitely going to weigh in on the decision of whatever jury that they do elect for this trial. Um, because in the back of their minds, they're gonna they're gonna say, "Well, the family settled." That unfortunately, that's what the jury's going to say. That's going to be in the back of their heads uh, during this trial. So we'll see. Keep keep an eye on this story. Um, that's what's going to happen here. Uh, moving into the entertainment booth, Real Spit Gangsta Gone Legit, episode 22, aired last week. If you missed it, Viana Marie, check it out. It's still available on YouTube. Uh, you want to go over there and check out the website. His new show uh, airs tonight with Sean Ellis, so you want to make sure you go over and check that out. But getting a lot of good feedback from this episode with Viana Marie, so make sure you go over and check this out. Uh, Tracy Morgan, comedian Tracy Morgan, is looking to portray... Louis Armstrong in a self-financed biopic. Now, a lot of people are saying, well, it's self-financed. The, 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 the thing here for me is, is that in movie history, um, when, when actors or actresses come out of their, their lane or out of their comfort zone, we have seen some of the biggest, biggest success stories from those actors and actresses who've done this. We've seen it. We've, we've seen it. I always talk about when Don Johnson on Miami Vice, when he got amnesia, 
and he came back. Uh, if you all remember the show Miami Vice, Crockett got amnesia, and he thought he was this. He thought he was his pseudonym. He thought he was that character that he had created when they were undercover. Um, he actually tried to shoot Tubbs, uh, but it was a hell of a performance to see uh, Don Johnson play this ruthless bad guy after seeing him play this good guy on Miami Vice for so long. And then we saw another actor make that transition. You know, we sat here and we watched, you know, all these films with, um, I'm trying to think of his name, the other the other, other actor. It was another white guy that did the same thing. Uh, Chris Rock is actually about to do it. Chris Rock, who we've known for, for all types of comedies, he is now doing a serious horror film where he's playing a cop, a detective. And I saw his act, and I'm like, wow, that's that's completely different range for Chris Rock. Eddie Murphy, who just had Coming to America 2. Eddie Murphy, I believe, got a Golden Globes nod for a film that he did that was a drama where he was like a mentor or something to a young girl. I haven't seen it, but everybody that has seen that movie with her, um, they have told me that that the movie was, was very good and that uh, the role that Eddie Murphy played was deserving of an award because, you know, he was, he was uh, great in this film. So do I see, look, I think, I think Tracy Morgan has a good chance. I think he has a really good chance to come out of his lane and do real good. I think that he can take this role and turn it into something that we've never seen from him before. I, I feel it. I feel it in my bones. I think Tracy Morgan is going to be this guy that, you know, everybody's going to say, well, he's self-financing it. Oh, it's going to be probably this com- I think he's going to shock everybody. And I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a hit. And I think we're going to see Academy Award nods for him if this happens. So keep an eye out. Um, oh, Denzel Washington. We saw Denzel Washington as a good guy all the time, all the time, all the time. And then Denzel Washington did Training Day. And everybody was like, whoa. <laughs> whoa. Whoa. Because we, we had never seen Denzel as a bad guy before. And he was ruthless in Training Day. Ruthless. So, um, like I said, when people come out their lane, they, they tend to... They tend to do things differently, you know, and, and I'm, I'm kind of rooting for Tracy Morgan because he is this guy who's been this crazy zany actor who's done all these crazy zany things that we know him for. Nobody's going to expect him to be Louis Armstrong and, and, and pull it off. So my, my fingers are crossed and I'm hoping for him to knock this ish out the box. Uh, and we'll see. We will see. Uh, Also, moving on into the entertainment booth, March 20th, circle your calendar. The next Versus is happening. I don't give an F who wins this Versus. Chef Raekwon and Ghostface Killer on March 20th. I don't care. I am am one of the biggest Wu-Tang fans out there. I don't care who... Who wins or loses? Because for me, as a Wu-Tang fan, it's a win-effing win. I don't care. 
and people like what the hell are they gonna battle? Cause the majority of those albums, they was on both each other's albums on ninety percent of the songs on both of their solo albums. So I don't see this being any type of battle. I see this being just reminiscing and feeling this is gonna be crazy. March twentieth, Raekwon the Chef, Ghostface Killer. This is gonna be crazy. This isn't gonna be a battle. This is gonna be some serious stuff right here. Serious stuff. I can't I can't wait. So going in. Uh so now I want to get into it. Sixty-six years old, former middleweight, heavyweight middleweight champion. Marvin Hagel passed away, 66 years old. And like I said, you know, he was a guy that you knew here in Brockton. Um, and everybody knew Marvin Hagler. He was a guy that he would give you the shirt off his back. If he was in the restaurant and you didn't have the $10 to pay for it, he was a guy that would pull the $10 out of his pocket and give it to you. No lie, you know? That's the type of guy he was. He was a guy that if he was sitting there with his family and eating his pizza and you walked up to him, you know, kind of starstruck or whatever and was like, oh, Marvin, yeah, but blah, 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 blah. He wasn't a guy that gave you attitude or, you know, pushed you away. He was a guy that, you know, he shook your hand. He said hello to you. You know, he introduced you to his family. You know, he was that he was that type of guy. So um, one of my earliest memories I'm going to share with you guys right now Um this is about about eight minutes. I want to share this with you because this is what really set off this man's career. And I'll let you know. Because Marvin Hagler's fight career started in 1973. 1973 is when Marvin Hagler's career began. And as Marvin Hagler began to tear up the amateur ranks, he got noticed and, and was noticed real quick. And as he moved up in the ranks, it was like 1979 when he took on Vito the Mosquito Antifermo. And if people remember that fight, it was after... It was like Thanksgiving weekend. It was like Thanksgiving weekend. uh, Vito and him fought to a draw. And I remember after that fight, a lot of people was like... (laughs) And, And yo, this isn't like boxing... Boxing back then was 15 rounds. It wasn't like this stuff today where it's 10 rounds. Boxing back then was 15 rounds. 15 rounds. Battling. And he and Vito went the distance. And they went to a draw. But everybody talked about this fight. And everybody was going to look for this rematch. Um... And what happened was, was, you know, we entered the 80s and he was knocking people out. His next three fights, he had two, take, two TKOs and I think a KO, which set him up to go over to the UK to fight Alan Mentor. And at that time, Alan Mentor was holding the belt. And I remember being young. I remember my dad would always have the fights on and um, his brothers would come over and we'd watch this fight. But the problem here was that the fight was in the UK. So the fight was actually, you know, at a different time zone. So we actually watched it close cap. It was taped. Um, And you didn't want to know the news. So what I'm going to show you here is what happened during that fight. 
um, and how Jesus, how you see what type of fighter when he took his first title home, what type of fighter Marvelous Marvin Hagler was. You're going to see him physically and mentally break down Alan Minter. And one of the reasons why this catapulted Marvelous Marvin Hagler into the sports stratosphere is because of what happened at the end of this fight. What happened at the end of this fight is something that the boxing world till this day talks about as if it happened yesterday. And I'm not talking about the loss to Sugar Ray Lennon. I'm talking about the Alan Minter fight. Because I remember there was a whole city of Brockton ready to kick their tickets to fly out to the UK and kick some ass. <laughs> so what I'm going to do here, I'm going to quickly show you guys uh, the Hagler Minter fight so you guys can see exactly what happened during this fight. And um, here it is here, courtesy, I think it was CBS back then. CBS closed circuit or whatever, and they, they it was like a tape delay or something. They taped it, and then CBS aired it. And, you know, everybody sat in front of their TVs on Channel 7 and, and watched it. So here it is. Here's Marvin Hagler against Alan Mentor. In Hagler's corner, Goody Petronelli, Pat Petronelli, and corner and lawyer, Stephen Wainwright. So here we go. Hagler is usually a quick starter. If there's a question about Marvin, it's stamina, judging by the way he tired in the late going in his fight against Andrew Fermo. Round one. Out is underway. Round one. Minter, a southpaw. Hagler, a natural southpaw. You see Hagler with his own right lead. But with the ability to convert, the crowd brought as Mitchell scored with a quick left. Mitchell is a clever boxer. He will have to be that. Hagler is a good boxer and a superior puncher with both hands. We have 55 seconds into round one. Hagler scored. Hagler scored and scored again with a short chopping right that hurt Mincher. A minute five seconds into the round. Hagler would like to make short shrift of Mitch. I must say, having covered a number of Hagler fights, I have never seen him so well conditioned. trying to keep his distance, or rather, Mincher trying to keep his distance, trying to use the right jab to keep Hagler at bay. It's his first round action. You'll hear this British crowd roar with every exchange, particularly if one exchange favors Mitchell. 
manager scored that. Briefly, Venture appeared hurt a minute five seconds into the round from a short chopping Hagler right. But Minner, during the last half of this round, has been boxing effectively. And there, a good left. Ten seconds to go in round one. A round that promises a good action fight. satellite from London, England. Round two just underway. Alan Minter to the left. Marvin Hagler to the right. The first round in the early going dominated by Hagler. In the late going dominated by Minter. As Minter began to box more successfully. Keep Hagler off and yet score with his own jabs. This will be clearly the Minter pattern for the fight. Hagler wanting to get in to level the opponent with a superior punching power. Hagler fighting southpaw. Second 
We're back live in London, England. Stanford has defeated Oklahoma in college football 31-14, but this is the middleweight championship fight, and Marvin Hagler is off to a rousing start. He had a big second round, though Mitchell is fighting back, or was, determinedly. You see Hagler scoring well with his left. Remember, Hagler can fight either way, southpaw or righty. He has the ability thus to confuse an opponent if he can make it work. Sometimes a fighter gets mixed up trying to change from one stance to another. 45 seconds into round three. The mentor knows bloodied in the second round. Blood gushing forth. Again the right lead. That's the second time. There are cuts under both mentor eyes now. That susceptibility to the cut that we referred to. There's blood all over the left eye. Hagler is fighting his fight and making it work. The mouthpiece out. Mentor's mouthpiece out. Mentor is hurt. Mentor is ready to go. It's only the third round and Hagler is all over. Fighting without his mouthpiece now. Mitchell has not been able to make his own fight. Now, the referee, Beresan, has the corner man. The fight stopped. It's over that quickly. The middleweight champion of the world is Marvin Hagler. That quickly, he fought his fight. When Mitchell tried to mix it up, he had no chance at all. All right, we're back here in the booth broadcasting live from, like I said, the city of champions. The city, as I said, is in mourning. Marvelous Marvin Hagler passed away, 66 years old. Alan Minter was that fight over in the UK. And as you guys saw, they rained down with uh, crap in the ring to the point where Goody and those guys had to cover him up. The British police had to get to the side of the ring. And while Cosell's yelling, I got to get an interview with this guy. Um, they would, they whisked him out. They wouldn't even allow him to, to get the interview with Howard Cosell, um, because it became so bad that they were riding at the fact that Hagler had beat their champion. And then, you know, it was just an ugly thing. The thing was, is he had broke Alan Minter down, broke him down. The combinations, the uppercuts, uh, the right hand was just ridiculous. Marvin had crazy speed, but it wasn't just, he had, he had the ability to bring that combo and, and throw that uppercut at any given time. That right hand was solid. I, it, it's it's just amazing the type of man he was. So after he beats Alan Mentor and takes that belt, comes back to America, he actually retains the belt, fights twice in Massachusetts, which sets up a rematch with Vito the Mosquito Interfermo. Um, and I believe that fight, I believe that fight was here. Um, at the Boston Garden. And this was at the time where, where Hagel was fighting a lot of his fights. If they were in Massachusetts, they was at the Garden. The old school Boston Garden. And uh, Vito, the Mosquito Interfermo, um, they had their second fight. And it wasn't a draw this time. It was a TKO in the fifth round. 
<laughs> he knocked his ass out this time around. Wanted to make sure it wasn't going to 15 rounds and get that draw. That that was definitely what happened. So then he went on this reign of just terror, knocking people out. Um, and it wasn't until, let's see here. I see here, it was, I want to say it was 85. Was it 85 when I next saw him? Next, next big fight was John the Beast Mugabe, I think. Let me see here. Let me let me pull this up. I want to say it was Mugabe. Nope, nope, it wasn't. It was actually, I was wrong. Roberto Duran was the next fight after Vito the Mosquito Interfermo. Roberto Duran was the next fight. Uh, that was in November in Nevada. Uh, he got he won that fight. They went the 15 rounds, uh, that fight. 15 rounds, him and Roberto Duran. Then he took on Thomas the Hitman Hearns. Before John the Beast Mugabe. Thomas Hitman Hearns, um, three rounds. It was a war. It was a war. And I'm definitely sharing this one with you. It was a war. It was, it, look, when you guys watch Sylvester Stallone and his Rocky movies, and you say to yourself, it's entertainment. Those are good fights, but that ain't real. That, 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 that don't happen. People forget. People don't realize that Rocky films fight choreography that Sylvester Stallone came up with was from watching some of the greatest battles in the ring over the years um, and some of the fights that he has seen. Now, Rocky had already had come out by the time, you know, 85 had rolled around. But he was still, Stallone was still a fan of boxing. Still a fan of boxing. He had seen the Vito Antipermo fight. He saw the Roberto Duran fights. And, you know, he pulled from these fights he saw. And in 1985, Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns put on a real-life Rocky <laughs> extravaganza. <laughs> For real. For real, real. <laughs> so I'm going to show that to you real quick here as we dedicate this show to Marvelous Marvin Hagler. And Matty Cameron in the chat says, Hearns and Hands of Stone with tough MFs. And he took him down. Yeah. Yep. I ain't, you ain't lying on that one there. Tommy. And Tommy Hearns was like, he was a, he talked a lot of ish. And he talked a lot of ish heading up to the fight. And he had got Hagler to a point where Hagler just wanted to destroy him um, when he got in the ring. So here's this fight. I'm going to show you guys this one here. This is Hagler versus Tommy Hearns. Okay, I gave both fighters their instructions in the dress room. I'm just cautioning you now. Obey my command at all times. Shake hands. Good luck to both of you. As Ray said, Tommy Hearns usually likes to establish dominance for himself up. The early rounds could really dictate how this fight will go. The first round is a key round. We're underway. And the pace is up-tempo right at the opening bell. Hagler being the aggressor. Hearns working that jab. He has a very quick jab. There's no denying it. And he caught Hagler with two good jabs and a right hand that might have hurt Hagler. Tremendous pace in the first round. I expect this, Barry. Both guys are going at it. Hearns getting the better of it right now. No nonsense at all here. Just winging shots. So whoever gets caught with the chin, there was a left, left hand by Hagler that stood Hearns straight up. And a right 
to shake it. Unsteady. And a left hand by Hearns. Threw that off his back foot, though. There's the short right. Hagler now just uses defense. He's walking towards Hearns. He's doing the right thing now. Hearns is on his bicycle. Hagler now is going to his body. Remember, Roldan caught Marvin Hagler early on also. There's another good straight right hand by Hagler and another. Now Hearns is using his movement. He's trying to uh, throw Hagler off balance. Hearns coming with a right hand lead that time. Both fighters are really off balance. Hagler leading with the right hand, but he's kind of lunging with it. There's another right hand, backs Hearns into the ropes. Watch for Hagler's hook. Now that was the right hand of Tommy Hearns, and it did catch Hagler, but he didn't take a backward step there. Another good right hand by Hearns. Hagler's working the body now, trying to slow the time down. These guys are doing a great deal of energy, Barrett. Tremendous pace in the first round. Blood coming from the face of Marvin Hagler. Can't tell yet where it's coming from. We'll see. Both guys will definitely be winded in the next round. It is over the right eye, I believe, of Marvin Hagler. We'll wait till we get him. And there's a lot of blood early on here. An awful lot of blood on the face of Marvin Hagler. It isn't a place where it could do serious damage. We'll know between rounds when we get into the corner. Hagler punishing Hearns now. But it is Hagler who is bleeding. This is still the first round. <laughs> the second round. <laughs> these guys would definitely pace themselves. There has been no boxing at all. Just fighting here. Just slugging. Blood on the face of Marvin Hagler. Again, we can't quite tell where it's coming from while Hagler continues to dish out punishment. And now Hearns bounces right back. This may be the most brutal even round you've ever seen in boxing. And Hagler went on to win that fight in the third round with a KO. And, um... It was, like I said, that fight was the whole, that fight was that way for all three rounds. Some people say, uh, actually Dave Haggerty said it. Dave Haggerty said the best three rounds in boxing history. Hands down, no lie. The best three rounds in boxing history is that right there. If you haven't had a chance to see it, if you saw it at the end there, ESPN does have the full fight on ESPN+. Plus. Check it out. I'm pretty sure, you know, everybody's streaming the Marvin Hagler stuff um, right now after he's passed away. So, uh, look, I'm, you have no idea, people. <laughs> you have no idea, you know? And then after that, he takes on John the Beast Mugabe, uh, takes him down. He KOs him in the 11th round. And then he moves on to a fight that will for, that has been forever debated in boxing history. For the since it happened, and I'll never forget this because this was this was one of the fights that you know I really wanted to see. Like like as a kid, you know I watched a lot of boxing growing up because of my dad. But but this fight with Sugar Ray Leonard, um, people forget that Sugar Ray Leonard had retired. Um, he had issues with his eye. Um, you know he was told not to fight this fight, but. The pressure came down, and 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 these two had to get together and set it up, 
And, you know, it took place in Vegas. And they went to 12 rounds. You, you wait and think that it, the decision is going to go to Hagler. And, you know, in MMA, MMA, they have a rule in MMA. Never let it get to the scorecards in MMA. And that's, that, that's a great rule to go by if you're a fighter. Never let it get to the judges. Finish fights. That's a rule in MMA. Because time and time again, you know, in the octagon, it's it's three rounds or it's four rounds or it's five rounds in the octagon. And um, it can go any way. It can go any way. Um, in boxing, it should be, it sh- back then it should have been the same way, but it, it wasn't. So the thing with Hagler and Sugar Ray Leonard was, was that in order to, and Ric Flair used to say this, Ric Flair used to have this motto, in order to be the champion, you got to beat the champion. And lots of times what we had seen in boxing was, was that you would have a championship fight. And if you were the underdog, if you didn't whoop that champion's ass, you didn't get the decision. You didn't. You didn't get the decision. Never. Never in boxing would that happen. And the problem here was all politics. Marvin Hagler was this blue-collar, gritty guy from the city of Brockton. Never really got the respect that he deserved as a middleweight champion. Every fight he went into, he always had to come up with some type of respect he had to earn in the ring. Um... And we all knew about Ray Lennon. We all knew about his eye. We all knew that the fight almost didn't happen because the doctors almost didn't clear Ray Lennon to fight this fight because of his eye injury and the possibility of him ending up blind. And when Hagler actually fought this fight, when Hagler actually fought this fight, if you go back and watch, and those in Brockton remember, he respected Leonard. He he wasn't aggressive to that blind side. He wanted, he wanted to beat Sugar Ray at his best. So Hagler didn't go and be super aggressive and, and really want to take this guy down. Um, they went for 12 rounds. And I remember the, the, the little flurry of Sugar Ray Leonard in the 12th round. He was tired as F. Tired as F. But the, the, the thing with everybody loved Sugar Ray. They loved the showboating. They loved all the theatrics. And... And with this fight, Sugar Ray put on a show. He put on a lot of theatrics. But what he did was is he wooed those judges to give him the fight. And I remember everybody in Brockton being pissed off at the fact that Hagler lost this fight to a decision. Um, he, had, If you go back and watch these 12 rounds, Hagler should have won this fight. Hagler should have won this fight. Going by how things were back then. You got to beat the champion to be the champion. And Sugar Ray Leonard didn't beat the champion in this fight. It was a lot of theatrics, a lot of showboating, you know, all this stuff. You'll watch it. You'll see it. 12th round. I think it's like a minute to go. And Sugar Ray's in the middle of the ring. And it wasn't even hurting. Like, Hagler's like, like what? What? And the, the sad thing was, was that, when it was all said and done, 
I think everybody in the city of Brockton, when that decision was given and, and Mom and Hagler was in that ring in like disbelief, like I think every friggin' person in the city of Brockton in one moment was right there with Marvin Hagler, like in shock, in shock that he lost this decision. Um, and this loss was so bad. This, this loss was so bad that <clears throat> he didn't want to rematch. He didn't even want to return back to boxing. He left for Italy and did movies and became like an action movie star over in Italy, Milan, Milan. Um, so it was crazy how this whole thing went down because they tried. They were trying to get a rematch or whatever, and he had wanted no part of it. He was so disgusted with it, and everybody kept saying, he'll be back. He was young. He'll be back. He'll come back. He's going to fight him. They'll have a rematch, and he didn't. He, didn't, he stuck by his words. And I think people respected him more for that, <clears throat> that he didn't come back and take that that fight and get used, you know what I'm saying, to make everybody rich. But he was disgusted. He was disgusted. Like I said, back then, you had to beat the champion, and, and that definitely wasn't done. So he retired from boxing. He was placed in the Hall of Fame in 1993. And as you guys saw, um, the WBO is hopefully <clears throat> they would be the ones that would talk about making a statue to put here in the city of Brockton. What's going on, DJ Bobby Steels? DJ Bobby Steels in the chat. I'm pretty sure you grew up during that time. You know about Marvin Hagler. And um, like I said, that was when boxing was at its best, man. 15 rounds. And like I said, that the, the Leonard fight was, you know, when they started dropping the fights down to 12. Um, but it was a different era. And um, my prayers and blessings go out to Marvin Hagler's family. Um, and much respect. Like I said, I'm dedicating this whole show tonight to him. <laughs> and I'm glad I was able to share those clips with you guys for those fights. Because um, uh, those are classics. You, you won't see anything like that ever again. Uh, moving on in the sports booth. So LeBron James is a is a partial owner of the Fenway Group. He's he's an owner, I'm a owner in the in the Fenway Group, and I guess he's now invested some more money to now where he's going to become part owner of the Boston Red Sox. Now I'm not a big fan of LeBron James. I'm not a big fan of LeBron James at all. I felt like LeBron James is an NBA mercenary. I watched what he did Orlando. I watched what he did to Cleveland twice. I feel like he was a guy that goes for titles to the highest bidder. When he came back to when he when he left and came back to Cleveland, I said to people, the only reason why he's coming back to Cleveland is because Kobe is still playing in, with the Lakers. I said it back then. I told people. I knew it. The way he talked, the way he acted, the way he carried himself, he wanted to be a Laker, but he wasn't going to go there if Kobe was still there. And what happened? He went after Kobe left. And now he's that guy out there. But that's my opinion of him as far as far as a player. As far as a as a player. He's a he's an NBA mercenary. And he is part of the reason as to why the NBA is the way it is today. And it's one of the reasons why I'm not a big fan of how the NBA is today. How players can get together in the offseason as we saw here with the Celtics. And we saw issues here with the Brooklyn Nets. 
where guys can call each other up in the offseason and say, hey, take this deal here. We can set this up. I, I'm not a fan of that BS. I'm not a fan of that mercenary BS. So take this. Imagine, people, listen up. Listen up. DJ Bobby Steeles, Dave Haggerty, what's up? Uh, Kevin Jeffries, listen. It's not right. Let's go back to the 80s. And imagine if Magic Johnson got on the phone in the offseason and called Jordan and Bird and Isaiah Thomas and said, hey, yo, your contract's up this year, your contract's up this year. How about y'all come over here and we run this? Think about it. You come here and we run this. You know how long if... if, if if the, if eighties NBA had the mentality, if eighties and nineties NBA players had the mentality of NBA players today, craziness, craziness. Imagine how teams would be stacked in the eighties and nineties if they did the shit that players do today. Because the players are running the NBA right now. The inmates are running the asylum, pretty much. Pretty much. LeBron James is pretty much the coach of the Lakers. Coaches are just a faceplate in the NBA. Only, only like There's only like five real true NBA coaches in the NBA. The rest are just faceplates to take the blame when shit don't go the way it's supposed to go. Other than that, there's no real coaches in the NBA. Like real solid coaches. So... <laughs> He said, Kevin Jeffrey said, the Celtics' big three happened before LeBron left the Cleveland. <laughs> so I'm just saying, he didn't start it. <laughs> uh, so, but as a player, as a player, oh, he's a mercenary. But off the court, off the court, LeBron James puts his money where his mouth is. He's done a lot for Cleveland. He did a lot when he was in Florida. He's doing a lot in L.A. And he's doing a lot in Boston with his money behind the scenes. So I can't hate on him for what he does off the court. Off the court, he's an amazing dude. And now becoming part owner of the Boston Red Sox, it's going to be hard. (laughs) It's going to be hard for me to be a fan of LeBron James now as he's part owner of the Red Sox. I mean, is he going to be hanging out here in the offseason? Checking out Red Sox games at Fenway Park? I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. But that's some crazy stuff. He knows how to invest his money. That Fenway group, they've got a NASCAR team. Roush Racing, Fenway. They've got their NASCAR team. They've now got an NBA owner. And, and, that, and so, so let's take it even deeper. The fact that LeBron James is part owner of the Red Sox is awesome. And the reason why is because the Red Sox for years was known as this racist organization. And they were. They were. Everybody talks about the curse of the Bambino for the Red Sox and why they never got a World Series. It wasn't the curse of the Bambino. It was the curse of racism. It's the curse of racism. The owners were straight up racist. The Red Sox was the last team in the MLB to integrate. They were the last team to integrate. They were straight up racist. And they didn't win a World Series until the owners both were gone and passed away. And once she passed, once Gene Yonke passed away, what did the team do? You guys remember what happened when Gene Yonke passed away? 
They went out and signed one of the most diverse Red Sox teams in the history of the Red Sox. You didn't have like that, the two lone black players on the team. They signed the most diverse team in, in Red Sox history. Cowboy up and got their first World Series. So when people say, oh yeah, it was the curse of the... No, it wasn't. It was the curse of the racism. The curse of the racism. And that's what it was. And the fact that LeBron James has now become part owner of the Red Sox, I know that Gene Yockey's racist ass is spinning like a ballerina in her grave right now. Spinning in her grave right now. Because the Yockeys were racist as F. Racist. I'm dead serious. And I'm not talking like behind the scenes. They was racist in your face racist. So the fact that LeBron James is part owner of the Red Sox. (laughs) A black man part owner of the Red Sox. Love it. Love it. Love it, LeBron. Take that. Take that. I hope somebody tells him. I, look, I'd be the first one to tell LeBron. LeBron, man, if I could sit with this dude and have a beer, I would tell him straight up, yo, man, high five. Because this was a racist organization, man. Thank you for, thank you, thank you, thank you. Because, <laughs> So, big ups to LeBron. Because I know Gene Yaki is spinning in his, oh, man. You don't, you don't, people don't understand. People don't understand, racism is an ugly, ugly thing. And if you don't believe me, check my facts. If you don't believe me, check my facts. Look up the date when Gene Yaki died. And look at the year and the time that they put that team together. And look at that man, Look at the makeup of that team that won that first Red Sox World Series. And you tell me how many black guys, you tell me how many Spanish guys, you tell me how many guys that were on that team that were people that Gene Yaki would not F with or want on that team. Trust and believe me. It had nothing to do with the curse of Bambino. It was the curse of racism. Period. And once that was gone, once that team knew how they had to make money and how they had to win, they won their first World Series. So, I'm just letting you all know this. Letting you know. (laughs) I'm just saying. LeBron, props for that. I'm not a fan of you on the court and how you do your things, but... As a man outside of of, of, of basketball, phew, props, man. Props. Black owner, Red Sox. Phew, loving it. Trust me. Uh, moving on. In the sports booth, I went live last night. Um, all the big news is coming out of sports right now. Patriots free agency. Haters are going to hate, and haters are hating real hard. So it started last week when they, they talked about signing Cam Newton. For a one-year deal. And a lot of people in, in Massachusetts here, in New England, they were moaning and groaning about Cam Newton being re-signed for a one-year deal. And it was like, look, people, pay attention to this. This isn't that bad of a deal. It, 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 the contract breaks down to this. Cam Newton signed for one year. He's going to make $6 million if they make the playoffs. $5 million if they don't make the playoffs. That ain't shit for money. That ain't nothing. That ain't nothing. The rest of it's all incentive-laden. And why is it incentive-laden? Because the Pats are going to draft a quarterback. Trust and believe me. 
The Pats are about to draft a quarterback. And I'm going to tell you why they're about to draft a quarterback here. Because, as I said last night when I went live, the Patriots and Bill Belichick are in the strip club and they're making it rain. Jonu Smith, tight end. Tennessee. This morning, Hunter Henry from the Chargers, tight end. So now you got a two tight end set with two of the top two the top two tight end free agents are now here playing for the Patriots next year. This goes back to when we had Hernandez on one side and Gronkowski on the other. If you have these two guys on that field, you have Edelman in the slot, you have Nikhil Harry as your deep threat, now in single coverage, where he's the taller guy. Come on now. Come on now. For real. Kevin Jeffries hit me up. He said, he said they cheating. <laughs> Kevin Jeffries said the Pats are cheating. <laughs> See, the hate, the hate is already there. The hate is already there. Jonu Smith, yo, he was targeted 65 times last year. He had 41 receptions for 448 yards last year. Eight touchdowns. Eight touchdowns, Jonu Smith. Hunter Henry, he'll come here. He was targeted 93 times last year. Caught 60. Finished with 613. So right there, that's 1,000 yards in receptions between two tight ends. He had four touchdowns. So that's combined 12 between those two last year. Now you bring in a guy like Edelman who's healthy. Nikhil Harry, if you keep him, a problem, a problem. Defense, Matt Judon, they bring in Matt Judon, inside linebacker, to get at the quarterback, because they definitely coming after Brady. Brady's got to come here and play the Pats next year, so they definitely coming after his ass. They know what he don't like. He don't like to be touched. He don't like to be blitzed. Well, he's getting blitzed. He's going to be blitzed because right now they've got Chase Winovich. They've got Dante Hightower coming back. Uh, If Kyle Van Noy, who was released from the Dolphins, comes back here, and maybe Jamie Collins, Josh Uche, the defense is nothing nice. Jalen Mills, safety, come on, guys. Come on. Nelson Aguilar, a guy who was run out of Philly because of one bad drop. He was a consistent player, but he had one bad drop, and they ran him out to the Raiders, and he's now coming to play for the Pats. So you add Nelson Aguilar opposite Nikhil Harry. With Jean Smith, Hunter Henry, and Julian Edelman. It's a problem, bro. <laughs> it's a problem. Josh McDaniels is probably... Happy as hell. Kendrick Bourne, San Fran, wide receiver. Targeted 74 times last season. 49 receptions, 667 yards, two touchdowns. Nelson Aguilar last year, actually, Nelson Nelson was targeted 82 times, 48 receptions, and he, had, he still had 896 yards with the Raiders last year. He almost had 1,000 yards still. Come on now. Do the math, people. Do the math. Patriots also got a nose tackle, which me and Kevin Touchy talked about. We said we need another nose tackle. Since Vince Wilfork, we really haven't had anybody here. Now we do. Now we do. 
We got a defensive end in Henry Anderson from the Jets. It's, look, it's going to be crazy. Crazy here next year. I can't wait. I can't wait. Damn. All right, moving on into uh, Biden bombshells. And as again, uh, grading the Patriots free agent additions, how all eight, look, the Patriots have spent the most, they were, they were the number three team. They were the number three team uh, below the cap with, with spending money. Um, so they, they spent, they spent, and now they got a, now they're coming into this draft. And um, I don't care who they bring in here now for a quarterback from the draft. There's a lot of targets. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, heading into uh, my last segment of the night, Biden bombshells. Uh, Biden is about to deploy FEMA to care for teenagers and children who are being left at the borders in record numbers. Um, back in April, I don't know if you guys remember seeing the videos of children migrating to the U.S. and were being held um, at the border. Um, they've been coming. They haven't been able to stop the flow. They're still coming. And it's the point where it's reaching a dangerous capacity limit. So they're going to send FEMA down there to hopefully get things under control. Um, Hopefully these kids don't get... Well, a lot of these kids, they're saying now, which is scary, their, their families and parents know that the government, you know, will take these kids and children uh, by the rules that have been set forth and some of the changes that have been made. Um, the, the craziness of this is is that if they get here to the border and if they're allowed, they end up being placed with a parent or or a family member who's here that's illegal, that's legal. So in other words, if, if they're left at that border, uh, they have to get in touch with... So say like if you're a kid from Mexico and... Life is bad over there. Your family contacts whoever in this country who's a family member, and then you're going to be that contact for when they get to the border, and then you're going to come into this country, and you're going to go live with that family. That's kind of in a nutshell. It it doesn't happen that fast. There's a lot of red tape and stuff that goes around. Um, Ken would be able to discuss something like that much better as he does uh, specialize in immigration law. So I would maybe have to pick his brain and see how this all kind of works out. But, you know, all the Trumpsters and people out there are dooming and glooming and talking about all these immigrants and stuff coming across. And I saw Tommy Laren. Uh, she's all over Twitter talking about this whole thing. And the thing is, is like people forget that these kids have been coming since April of last year. This isn't just a Biden thing. This has been happening since April. Um, the only thing that's happened on the Biden's watch is that he's sending FEMA down there so these kids don't get lost, these kids don't get misplaced as they were um, prior. Um, he's also going to make sure that they do end up with people in this country that he's supposed to. they're supposed to end up with. I got to talk to Ken about that, see how that works out, how, how that you know, whole thing pans out. Does it happen as fast as people think? People think that these kids are showing up at the border and they're going to give somebody's name that's here in this country that's a family member. Then all of a sudden that person comes to the border and picks that kid up. Now this kid's in this country. I don't think it happens that fast. I think that's just scare tactics that people are playing with. Um, Kevin Jeffrey said, Superman is still a bad man. Watch what he'll do this year. His arm is junk. His arm is kind of junk. But with those weapons, he can do a lot. He can do a lot because it's going to open the field up. You've got to respect everybody that's on that field. If that starting lineup is Nelson Aguilar, Nikhil Harry, Jonu Smith, Hunter Henry, and Edelman, 
it's a threat. It's a problem. And people forget. Don't forget, people. The running back core that the Patriots have have good hands. Really good hands. Guys like James White. They got Sony. They got good hands. But the rumor is, is James White might be headed to Tampa Bay. So I don't know what's going to happen with James White. James, that's that's the rumor right now. The rumor, the two top rumors right now, is James White is possibly headed to Tampa Bay, and then the second big rumor is that the Patriots are looking to move up from the fifteenth to the seventh in the draft. If the Patriots move up to the seventh position in the draft for this year. That's possibly, possibly Mac Jones or maybe, maybe Justin Fields. Because the Jets, I don't think the Jets said they're happy with Sam Donaldson. I don't think they're going to take a a quarterback. So if the Pats move up to seventh in the draft, the quarterback pickings is nice at seven. Nice at seven. So we'll see. We will see. But again... I would love to see Tom Brady back in the in the Super Bowl against the Patriots. I would be rooting for that one. That would be whoo, that would be great. I know the NFL would want that. NFL would love to have that happen. Love it. We'd see. So, guys, got to get ready to get out of here. Those are my Sinister One production beanies. Um so you want to make sure you snatch those up. I believe Viana Marie has a thing this weekend where uh, they're going to be selling them at a, a sale, like a craft sale or something. So I guess she's taking some of those down and going to sell those. But we do have some left. Kevin Jeffries, I see him in the chat. Um, I know he's got one. So here are some of the people that have been getting the Sinister One beanies. DJ Bobby Steeles hanging right there. Corey, my barber, Jamie Canfield, Daryl Smith, DJ, UFC fighter, Peter Barrett, my cousin's son, uh, RebelRom.com, my stepson, Ryan Beeson. Viana Marie, my artist, Viana Marie, rocking the hat. Maddie Cameron, Maddie C Sports for you and me. As I said, Carlito, <laughs> Kevin Jeffries, happy hour with Lito, sporting his. Travis Partington, Oscar Mike Radio, showing support. And again, if you guys get a chance, check out Oscar Mike Radio, Maddie C Sports for you and me. And also, you got to check out Happy Hour with Lito. He's got Patrick Cote coming up, Burt Watson coming up. He's got some crazy. MC Jin, good ass guest, man. Good ass guest. So you guys want to make sure you check out this show next week. And um, it's been a good show. Good show. Again, rest in peace, Marvin Hagler. Man, this is a a tough loss for us. And um, what I'm going to do here is I think I'm going to do my... Audio sad, uh, because you got till April 30th. Yeah, I think you got till April 30th to get in to audios. And um, I think what we'll do is we'll we'll put up another 15 second tribute to Marvin Hagler. And then I'll do my audio sad, and then SpongeBob will take us home. So thanks, guys, for tuning in. Once again, rest in peace, Marvin Hagler. You will be missed. The City of Champions is mourning for you, man. This whole show tonight is dedicated to you. At Audios, our engineers have created a breakthrough in wireless loudspeakers. 
we developed a new way to experience sound. Audios, the future of loudspeakers. Hi, I'm Eric Young, the co-founder and CEO of Audios, and we're building the first fully wireless loudspeakers for venues and event spaces. With Audios, all you have to do is place the speakers where you want them and press the power button. The speakers automatically build their own wireless network, connect to each other, and start streaming. That means you have zero cables and zero cable replacements. A 300-person event that would take one hour to set up only takes 10 minutes with Audios. Our wireless speaker doesn't need Bluetooth, a Wi-Fi router, and has two patents granted. To learn more, go to republic.co forward slash audios. For a limited time only, anyone can invest and become a part owner. Well, see you next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to The Booth on Hoobazoo and HatcherRadio.com. Please follow the Facebook page and subscribe to the podcast at Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. The Booth is a Sinister One production hosted by Sinister One. I've got to start hanging out with friends that are a little more intelligent and understand politics and stuff. It's just that I'm up on this level up here, and all my friends are down here. Me, meow. You guys, meow. Maybe a little more down, down in here. Screw you guys, I'm going home. I smoke, I drink, I do my thing. These bitches hating, so you know I got to make it plain. Don't do cocaine with your chick, my main. We stick together, true forever, yeah, you know we bang. I miss those days, which was easy. If only I made it, bitch, no repeat. Now that I done upgraded, I've been upstate, but y'all think I'm playing. And I gotta hit now for these weak ass hoes who think I ain't slaying. Try me, try me, and I'll probably end up laughing, cause I never back down. I'm that chick with a clean ass whip. I don't need that shit, it's like I'm my own now. I get hurt, I get tired of fussing, fighting, guess I gotta crack down. Don't mess with me, cause on everything, I'ma have to bring the whole city out. W-H-O-O-B-A-Z-O-O-N-A-T-Z-O-O-N-A-T-Z-O-O-N-A-T-Z-O-O-N-A-T-Z-O-O-N-A-T-Z-O-O-N-A-T-Z-O-O-N-A